0: This episode of all have another podcast is brought to you by Strava. Strava is a social media app for runners, cyclists, fitness enthusiasts, and I love it. You can find me on Strava. I'm at Lindsay Hine. And you guys, if you're not already on, I encourage you to grab your phone and download the app. It's free. It's fun. And I use it for all my workouts. Check out the app, get in on the fun. Thank you so much Strava for supporting this episode of all have another podcast. All right, you guys, today we're talking with Sarah Sellers. I'm so excited to bring her on the show for you. She placed second at the Boston Marathon on Monday, this past Monday, April 16th, 2018. Sarah is a nurse. She works full-time and lives in Tucson, Arizona with her husband. She does most of her training runs after work, a lot of hard workouts after a full day of work. She's not a sponsored athlete, though she is a very good runner, obviously. This is only her second marathon. She signed up when her brother signed up, and they kind of had a friendly competition to see who could beat one another's time. She did run her first marathon in Utah last fall, where she ran a 2:44, and it secured her a spot in the elite field in Boston. Sarah ran for Weber State University. She holds a 10K PR of 32.15. Her career in college was cut a bit short because of an injury, and then post-college she was super focused on grad school and didn't really train much. She did a lot of leisurely running, so when she decided to train for her first marathon last fall, she kind of just trained without speed work or anything like that and then picked it up for Boston. She wanted to qualify for the Olympic A standard, which is 2:37. In Boston on Monday, she ran a 244, and she'll tell you guys all about that experience. I'm super proud of Sarah and excited for her, happy for her, and I'm gonna go ahead and let her share her story with you guys. Congratulations to everybody else who ran on Monday, who fought the cold and frigid temperatures and the rain. What a day, what an experience. And hey, you know what, congratulations to all you spectators out there too, because I was one of you and it was cold and rainy for us too. I'm still riding a high like I'm sure all of you guys are from everything that went down on Monday. I'm so thankful that I was able to be a part of the weekend and spectate. I got to see Sarah run down Boylston Street, securing her second place finish in this historic race. So it was just wild and awesome. Congratulations, Sarah. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you guys. Let's enjoy my chat with Sarah Sellers. All right. Well, today on the show, I'm talking to Sarah Sellers. Sarah, welcome to the show and congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Second place at the Boston Marathon. No big deal, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) I was watching the race on uh, Monday. I was there on Boylston Street and saw you come down the turn after, you know, I see the runners come down, turn off a Hereford. And then I was like, probably, I don't know, 100 meters from there, maybe 200 meters. And I had seen Des come by and then I'm looking around for people. And then we see the lead male and I didn't recognize him. And then I saw you. And I was like, is that Kellen Taylor? Who is that? Who's this girl? She's in second place. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But you didn't have any idea.
1: Yeah, I I really didn't, um, especially, you know, in the the conditions and uh, not being able to see far ahead. Like, I had no idea um, what place I was in the race at that point. So are you
0: more exhausted right now from the race or all the interviews you've been doing?
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'd have to say from, um, and I'm super grateful for the support. Definitely, um, definitely blown away by the amount of support that's out there.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine, can you like even believe how many people are reaching out and contacting you and just all over you? I mean, there's an article every five minutes that comes up, like the girl who got second place at the Boston marathon.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I feel just as surprised about that as, you know, I'm the most surprised person out there about that.
0: Well, everybody wanted to know. I mean, I was—we were getting my friends and I were all tracking, you know, the lead, the lead field, and the women of field, women in the lead field, and we saw that Des was, you know, like a good four minutes up from the next person. But then we saw the leaderboard, and we didn't recognize your name, and, and we're like, "Well, where did she come from? Who is she sponsored by?" You know, I mean, everybody's kind of wondering the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering too. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely. Um, didn't see this coming, but um, very cool experience.
0: Okay, so tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Though you did run in, co- so you know you are not just a random runner who kind of runs okay. You are a really good runner. You ran in college. You have a thirty-two fifty-one ten k time, and you ran your first marathon in two hours and forty-four minutes. So you are a good runner. But can you kind of tell oh. us a little bit about your background with running?
1: Uh yeah for sure. Um I started running in middle school. Um I'd run in the morning with my parents before school. Um and that was just because I felt like I was missing out if they were out there in the morning enjoying the trails and <laughs> I wasn't with them. So I that kind of developed an early passion for it and then um you know raced in high school and raced in college um and overall in college there were a lot of goals that I set that I never achieved. Um, number one among those was to be an NCAA division one, all American. Um, I set that goal pretty early and, uh, I actually gave up eating ice cream because I made some stupid bet that I wouldn't eat (laughs) ice cream until, until I reached that goal. Um, and I never, I never reached it. Um, kind of got my career cut short in college, um, with a navicular stress fracture and, uh, gave up eating ice cream, which is just totally silly, but didn't even eat ice cream <laughs> for the next like three years. Cause I, um, just had made that commitment. And then, um, but anyways, just kept, kept running. Um, I guess it took, I took some time off. Um, I had to take a solid year just completely off running with that injury. And then, um, kept running, um, some just distance miles through graduate school after college. And then this is kind of believe to Boston was the first real training block that I'd put in since then.
0: Okay. So did you eat
1: ice cream when you were training for Boston? I did. Yeah. (laughs) My husband took me out to ice cream for my birthday last year. And that's when I just, I figured like, it's not, it's not worth giving up something that's delicious like ice cream for, um, to punish myself for some stupid goal that I didn't get to achieve.
0: Now you um, – I'm going to say this wrong. I literally looked this up and, and um, YouTubed, like, the pronunciation but and then practiced it three times, and I'm going to still say it wrong. You're a – Okay. Uh, you know what word I'm going to say. You're a nurse anestheti- anesthetist. Is that, what, is that how you say it? You said it perfectly. You said it great. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Lindsay, you need to practice that word a couple times because yeah. you're going to totally mess it up. Um, no, it was perfect. But you're you're new at this job. I mean, you went you just graduated like a year ago. So you've just started and you're working long days and you trained for your first marathon. And then that gave you like what, like seven. You had like seven real months to train for Boston this year.
1: Yeah, I think so. Something around there.
0: Okay, so you ran a one fourteen half leading up to it. That's that's good. That's legit. Um, People that are you're thinking are going to podium or probably run a half in what, like one oh nine or something.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. 109, 108. Yeah. A lot faster than 114.
0: Yeah. I mean, but 114 is still a really good time. So you trained to run the A standard, which is 237. And you said you thought you could do like a low 230s on a really good day. Now, you didn't. I mean, honestly, like in those conditions, they were insane. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to stop talking about it. Um, but like you only ran seven minutes slower than the two thirty-seven. So like, comparative to lots of other people in the race, you know, including Des, you didn't slow down as much, you know. So like, I wonder what played into that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I
1: think a big factor was that um, I wasn't really thinking about um time or place or I could sorry time or pace during the race. Um, I kind of was. Just focused on conserving my energy um, from the beginning and as long as I could like I was hoping to get through mile 20 mile 23 even uh, feeling good and um, I knew the weather would take it out of everyone so um, I guess I feel like my time was just kind of a byproduct of the day Um, I wasn't really ever yeah focused on on getting a certain time well, it's interesting
0: because my husband also ran that day. I mean, he's not an elite runner, but he runs oh, cool. He runs competitively, you know, like for an everyday recreational runner. But he, um, we, talk- awesome. yeah, we talked about it though, a lot before the race, like once every knew what the weather was going to be like. And, um, we were just yeah. kind of saying like, it's so different when you're racing to win, compared to like you know the everyday runner who like trained for this goal time because when you're racing to win like your time doesn't matter at all you just want to win or podium or whatever but you were kind of going into it before you know you knew the weather for your time and not for the place necessarily so like how did you shift your perspective to say well now I'm just going to race and place as high as I can
1: I mean, I was definitely disappointed with, I I was just crossing my fingers all the way up until the day before that um, magically the forecast would, um, I mean, I was fine with the rain, I was fine with the cold, I just wanted the winds to turn around, like, let that be a 20 mile an hour tailwind instead (laughs) of a headwind. So then when race morning came and that was the forecast, um, you know, realistically, I just, I I had to change my goal because um, if I had set out to run sub 237 on Monday, like that would have been, yeah, just a recipe for disaster. So I think, um, it wasn't any great decision-making on my part. It was just that that was kind of what I was forced to do since it was just unrealistic to go for a time that day.
0: Yeah. Do you think there would have been some like eight minute miles on the back end if you, um, went out at 237 base? (laughs) There would have been like some 15 minute back end <laughs> miles, that's for sure. But it's crazy because I read somewhere that you guys all went out together at like a 640 mile for the first mile.
1: Yeah. And that, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. And like going downhill at that too, you know, did it feel so slow? Yeah, exactly. And so that actually, it felt, yeah, it felt super slow. Like I was, it felt like I was cutting my stride short and just trying to not, um, step on the heels of the women around me. Um. So yeah, that was, but I also knew like I was definitely not in the first mile or any time during the early part of the race. I was, I wasn't going to go lead and, and I think that's what everyone was thinking. So that's why it went out so slow is because, um, the people who were in front, um, I guess I can't speak for them, but if I was in front, I w- yeah, I would lead a seven minute mile because I'd be waiting for someone to go around and, um, and take it out because, I think sometimes when you get st- stuck out there in the headwind, um, especially early in the race, that just takes it out and makes it hard in um, those later miles.
0: Yeah, you weren't gonna try to like take the lead in front of like Edna Kipliga and <laughs>
1: Jelaine Flanagan yeah, no, two miles yeah, no, in. Exactly. Nope. <laughs> Like what do you guys do? if're
0: run a six forty mile? It was so fun to watch, though. So I I had was at a h- hotel downtown, and so we watched you guys like on TV for the longest time, and we were tracking, and then we popped outside like I don't know fifteen minutes before you came by, and like got ourselves a little spot on the railing to cheer. Um, nice. But you did say that you ran alone for a few miles here and there, and was that insane?
1: Yeah, it really was. Um, and honestly, the, the mileage during the race is a blur, so I don't really remember what miles I was alone. Um, but I remember—I um, mean, it was definitely in the first half of the race. And um, my goal was really to just um, find some packs that were of women that were running the pace I wanted to go and kind of work together, um, and you know, kind of moves were made among those packs and, um, they kind of broke up. So, um, ended up by myself, um, for several miles during the middle. And, um, I was definitely getting nervous. Like that, that was, um, especially, you know, before the halfway mark, um, I told myself I needed to be, um, you know, I could take my turn leading in a, in a pack and take my turn in the headwind. But I think, um, when each person out there is, um, individually fighting the headwind, it's silly. Like you need to be trying to form some packs and work together. Did you feel like the other women felt the same way?
0: Like everybody was kind of taking their own turn and, you know, getting up in front and getting to the back at different
1: times. Yeah, for sure. Which is, I think that was a really cool aspect of the race that the um, conditions brought out and the, um, in the women that were racing up there because, um, yeah, just in, like I said, in those conditions, um, you're really forced to, to get outside yourself and work together. Um, or if you try to take the individual approach, I think, um, it's a recipe for disaster and those kind of wins.
0: What was the hardest, uh, chunk of the race for you mentally?
1: Um, that's a tough question because uh, I've never run Boston before, obviously. And, um, I think the, the spectators, um, you know, I'd heard from friends and family that run the race that they were just, um, you know, odds firing. So I think, um, there wasn't ever a really long portion of the course where I could feel down on myself because, um, as soon as I would start to doubt myself, or feel like, you know, this... How can I, I don't know if I can hold this pace for another eight miles or whatever I had left. Like I'd look to the side and there's a whole group of people cheering and like I'd give a fist pump or a, um, I, I don't know, a thumbs up to people. And then, uh, that really gets the crowd engaged and then it's hard to not feed off their excitement and uh, get motivated.
0: Well, yeah. And that's, what's crazy is that I know there were still a lot of spectators out, but comparative to nice weather years it had to be minimal comparative I mean I know there's a ton of people I mean I you know because I was out there on Boylston but like the fact that I popped out 15 minutes before the elite women came by and I still managed to get myself onto that rail like that wouldn't have happened if it was 70 degrees
1: out you know. So, yeah, I would love to see what it's like on a fair weather day. If that's what it was like in those conditions, like I can't even imagine what it'd be like when it's a nice weather day.
0: So tell me about um, like Heartbreak Hill and stuff. What was that like for you? Because that's what everybody talks about with Boston, whether they've run it or not.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, training for Boston, um, thinking about the hills in those middle, you know, 16 to 21 miles um, where it's a net uphill. Um, that's what I was probably most intimidated about on the course. Um, and surprisingly when I was out there racing, uh, when I hit those hills, like, I think I actually felt a lot better on the hills than I'd felt, um, for the miles leading up to them. Um, and I don't know if this was really the case or if it just felt this way to me, but, um, it felt like the headwind kind of subsided on the hills. I don't like, maybe it just seemed like it cause the hills kind of blocking the wind, but. I think fighting the headwind on the flat and down sections, um, was harder than climbing the hills.
0: Did you, were your quads a mess on that? You know, cause like the last three miles really, or four miles, I guess, are pretty downhill.
1: Did your, were your quads really feeling that? Uh, surprisingly, no. Like I was hurting, you know, as a whole, just kind of the, the way you feel the last few miles of a marathon, um, but my quads, like I never had a thought like cross my mind that my quads were like hurting more than the rest of my body.
0: You must've done something right with your training then.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it was that my first marathon had a, I don't even know the Huntsville marathon that I ran, um, starts at 9,000 feet and just plummets down a Canyon and, my quads were destroyed after that. So I guess like in comparison I I was kind of expecting that at Boston and um yeah. It nothing was nothing like that. It wasn't nearly as significant.
0: Now, was there yeah. anything I know you were working with your coach. He was your coach from college, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Paul Pilkington, is that his name?
1: Yeah. He's um great marathoner himself, um great coach.
0: So what what kind of things were you guys doing? to get you ready specifically for that
1: course at Boston? Um, A lot of it was um, we do, you know, some basic marathon speed work, um, kind of mixing up between tempo runs um, out on, like, the road or parkway courses and then some track speed work um, and then kind of some long sustained runs where – Kind of simulating how you're going to feel in a marathon. And, um, I think as far as the Boston course, um, I tried to do those long sustained runs, um, on some train that had some elevation change, um, just so that I was prepared to try to hold a solid effort over changing elevation.
0: Did you, um, I mean, obviously you work full time, you're a nurse and you're working, you know, it's like, people that get second place in the marathon don't work 40 hours a week or 40 plus hours a week and stand on their feet all day and then go train. Um, And so obviously, you didn't have time to like, go run altitude for a couple weeks, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I would have loved to. But yeah, no.
0: (laughs) Not possible. So I mean, do you think that that had something to do with the strength you were able to bring to the course on such a windy, rainy day? I mean, you're not like resting your body and napping for two hours a day like most elite runners are. You're used to being like on your feet and working and then grinding, you know? So do you think that that
1: played into your success? I mean,
0: yeah, I think
1: it definitely um, helped mentally because um, I do pretty much all my hard workouts after work. And uh, I just plan on after work, your workouts are just going to feel crappy. Like you're just going to feel, um, mentally tired and feel like you can't hit a rhythm. Um, and some days I can't hit pace, but, um, most days, um, even if you feel like that, you, you, you can hold the pace that you're supposed to. So I think that definitely helped prepare me for it.
0: So you've mentioned that your husband. Doesn't really run, or he said he didn't really run in, in the. I think it was the flow track interview I watched. I'm, I'm not sure which one, but, but, uh, but he must be a decent runner because he gets out and does some of your workouts with you.
1: Yeah, he's just in great shape overall, um, especially with, um, you know, I, I, I truly can't complain about my work hours because um, he easily doubles the hours that I work right now being in residency. Mm, yeah. Um, so he'll, uh, yeah, it's, it's insane. And so he'll, he'll come out and, um, do some, and I mean, it's not, it's not consistent. It's nothing regular cause, um, it can't be, but he'll sometimes jump in a speed workout and, um, yeah, he can, he can do some impressive intervals off of like very little running.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you can do like any kind of five minute mile anytime without training, you're a pretty good runner, right?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it makes me a little frustrated because I'm like, I'm I'm working really hard, and like this is what I, <laughs> this is what I'm doing every day, and you're just jumping in, and you're working hard, but you're holding the same pace. Like
0: <laughs> that's not right. When does he get done with uh, residency?
1: Uh, four more years.
0: Okay, so did he? So he just started.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a long road, but it'll be worth it. Hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll be worth it. You guys are so young. You're 26. Is
1: he 26? Uh, he's 30. He just turned 30. Yeah. So he's a little bit older than me. Just, just a little.
0: So, um, like what now you got, you got the day off work yesterday and today, right? You were initially, you were initially going to go back to work on Tuesday,
1: weren't you? Uh, so I was going to go back to work today. Yeah. I, I had planned, um, to fly back on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, my, I was supposed to go back today and my work kindly gave it to me off and, Um, it was definitely nice to have the day to try to catch up on some things. And I don't feel like I'm caught up, but I have less excuse for that. (laughs) You were, you were like,
0: I have so many media interviews. I'm sorry. I'm going to not be able to work today. Are you going back tomorrow?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll go back tomorrow.
0: Okay. So back to the race really quick. You, so I don't know that we've mentioned it in the interview yet, but this was only your second marathon and Someone mentioned that you signed up because your brother was
1: running and you wanted to beat his
0: time. Did you beat his time?
1: Uh, yes, but not by much. He ran 248. And um, I know I, I sound like a broken record, but he um, definitely wasn't able to put in a whole lot of training. He told me that before, from uh, January 1st until uh, the Boston Marathon, he ran a total of 300 miles. What? Um, like a total of three hundred miles. <laughs> so Whoa. Yeah, and he ran two forty eight yes on Monday, which is just blows my mind. So Yeah. Did he run in college too? No. Um he's a great mountain biker, just great athlete overall.
0: What was his goal going into it? I mean if your goal was two thirty seven and you wanted to beat him, his goal must have been similar.
1: Yeah, I mean going in he wanted I think uh shooting for either under 245 or 240 when we were thinking that the weather would be cooperating. Yeah. Um yeah, so he wasn't far off of that with the ridiculous headwinds.
0: Yeah, anything sub three on Monday is I mean, any anybody out there is impressive. Don't get me wrong, everybody listening, but sub three in those conditions is just insane.
1: Yeah. I d- totally agree.
0: So take me through the moment when you realize you're passing Shalane Flanagan and Edna Kiplegat and Molly Huddle and all these people. Like, were you
1: confused? Were you like, what's going
0: on? Am I running faster than I think I am?
1: Yeah, I it confused is a good word. Um, <laughs> you know, some of the spectators uh, yelled out, at, and I don't remember at what point in the race, Some somewhere around, I don't know, past mile 20 for sure. Um, they yelled out that Shalane Flanagan was just up ahead, and um, I was just kind of... Just, struck with this feeling like, first of all, that's crazy. And second of all, like I can't pass her cause that's, that's not a possibility that happens in Sarah Sellers world. Like <laughs> it's, it's not a thing that happens. And so, um, but then, uh, just kind of kept hitting pace and, um, then passing her, um, gave her a thumbs up and tried to cheer her on and, um, Obviously, her career speaks for itself. Um, Incredible athlete. So,
0: Did you pass her? um, Were you up Heartbreak Hill or was it before
1: that? Um, It was after Heartbreak Hill, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, and part of the thing with you not knowing you were in second place is that so many elite runners dropped out of the race. So, like, even though you're passing people and you know you're moving up, you don't know how many people have dropped out.
1: Exactly. And that's why, like, Um, I mean, even if it was a fair weather day, I still feel like I would have had no inkling of what place I was in because, I mean, I probably would have a better idea. Um, because I would have, you know, been able to see throughout the race kind of more of what was unfolding. But, um, yeah, all I knew is that I started out conservative and that I passed people during the race, but I didn't keep track of how many, um, people I passed and for all I knew there were a whole lot more in front of me.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was so windy and so rainy. I'm sure it was like a bit disorienting while you were running. Um, did anybody in the crowd, like I know you're kind of like in your own world, but did anybody like yell out you're the second girl ever and that you'd heard?
1: I I didn't. And so that I guess that's another reason that I had no idea that I was in second because I think um And maybe I was just like in my own little world, but like I, um, yeah, I think I would have, you know, if there was, um, if I'd heard people telling me, um, what position I was in, that would have made, I would have had some idea at the end, but yeah, even the last like, I don't know, three miles, like, um, I guess just deafening cheering, but I Mm -hmm. never heard like what position I was in.
0: Yeah. Because you turned on Hereford. And then when you came down Boylston, you were already in second place. And then there was like a pack of girls not far behind you, but you were kind of on your own when you ran by me, I think.
1: Yeah. And, um, and that was another thing. Like I knew that there were girls not far behind me. So I was just trying to, um, hammer with what I could. Um, it was still in the headwind and, uh, was trying to close. I feel like i I've never been known for my closing speed. So that's something I really have to work on. You looked really strong. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) But
0: but at that point, you're like, you don't realize that you're racing to get second place at the Boston Marathon. You think you're racing for your place. You want to do as well as you can. But you don't realize how, like, on the line you really were. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, part of that is, you know, I think... I can't add two plus two in the last three miles of a marathon yeah but um even you know not com- computing things um yeah just had no idea
0: were the cheers on Boylston was that like the was that the loudest and craziest cheers that you heard the whole race or what, and what did that feel like coming in I mean it regardless of the second places, it was still your first Boston marathon. And no matter how fast or slow you run your first Boston, it's always like a special experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like it was, um, it was insane. Like, um, running down Boylston and it truly is like deafening. Like you, you feel like you're like on top of the world. And even though like, um, and part of it as, I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, the men's winner was, uh, coming down Boylston he passed me on Boylston so uh I actually <laughs> I thought that I was um you know I might be doing pretty well and more better than I expected and um kind of based on how the crowds were reacting um and then when the uh lead met or the, when Yuki passed um I realized like oh they're cheering for him so like I'm probably doing decent but like they're going crazy which they should have been they're going crazy for Yuki so yeah um,
0: So when you crossed the finish line, who, who told you you got second and were you like, what did you do?
1: Uh, Yeah. I asked several officials. They probably answered me, but, um, I wasn't computing it. And finally, um, one official told me I was second and, um, I stopped her and like asked her a few times, like, (laughs) no, no, what place was I? And she said, I was yours. You were second. and, (laughs) And it was just like complete disbelief. Um, my next thought was I need to go find Blake, my husband, I need to, (laughs) (laughs) I need to tell him because, um, either he's going to be ecstatic, which he was, or reality is going to set in that I'm like, I don't know, hallucinating or in some other world. (laughs) (laughs) Where was he at? Um, he was, uh, probably just 20 meters, like past the finish line, um, in the crowds. And, and I had no idea. I saw him around mile 12. Um, and I knew, you know, the logistics of trying to get to the finish from there. Um, I was shocked that he made it there to the finish. Um, oh, so it's totally. cool to see him there.
0: Yeah. Some people cheering beside us, the wife, it was like the grandma and the kids and the wife that was trying to make it to see the husband finish. Her train got like stopped or something. So thank God his train oh, didn't get no. stopped. So yeah, what, tell me what he said his feelings were when he saw you, the second woman
1: coming through, like I mean, he was probably tracking you, right? Well, he was tracking, but, um, he had some issues the last, I don't know, I think the last half of the race where he wasn't, um, the, the tracking feed wasn't coming through on his phone. Um, so he, I think in, uh, yeah, he, he knew I was, I want to say like top 15, um, around mile 12 and then he didn't, he hadn't seen me again, um he wasn't getting the tracking and he actually didn't see me, um, coming down Boylston because he was, he had just barely gotten off the train and was um, running up to the finish. And, um, he just happened to get there right as I was walking out. Um, you know, I'd finished like 10 seconds before and, um, he got to the railing just right as I was coming up to it.
0: Oh man. What a, what a like whirlwind of emotions you must've had. And he must've had, were your parents there?
1: Yeah, they both were. And, um, my mom was there, uh, right at the end. Um, my dad was there during the race and, um, it kind of got stuck in a lot of the, as, as everyone does. I mean, the, the crowds are spectacular, but definitely makes for some <laughs> logistical challenges.
0: Yeah. It's really hard to find your person afterwards. I told my husband to just meet me back at the hotel. Cause I was like, I don't know what it's like going back to your gear check, and then we'll be like in the rain looking for each other. Yeah. So, the crazy thing, another crazy thing about this story is that you like signed up and paid an entry fee to race the marathon, which, you know, if you're going to get second place, you probably aren't paying to be there. And actually, you're probably being paid to be there. (laughs) So, yeah. Then you walk away with a huge paycheck at the end of the day, which is just totally unexpected. But, The only thing I can assume is that getting second place trumps that by so much.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And um, yeah, definitely getting the paycheck is like, it's exciting, but um, it's hard to even think about what to do with it because I'm just, I'm so ecstatic about the place that it's almost like irrelevant. Like, I mean, obviously you go to work every day to try to earn money and, but money comes and goes and like...
0: Second place at the Boston Marathon does not.
1: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> well said. It's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, because that's just the crazy thing is that, I mean, even people that aren't gonna podium, they're not like normally paying for their race tr- entries or paying for their shoes or you know anything like that. So I have to wonder, like, is your mind turning? Like, how fast could I do this and how competitive could I be if I didn't have a full time job and I. You know, I did kind of like take a break from the grind and train, just train
1: and whatnot for a year. Yeah. and I mean, everything's kind of up in the air right now because, yeah, it's still kind of a whirlwind and never in a million years expected to be in this position. Um, I think going forward, like, I would never want to give up working altogether. Just, um, I feel like, I don't know, I would... <laughs> I'd go a little bit crazy if I wasn't. And I mean, kudos, obviously the, um, full-time, um, professional distance runners out there, like, um, they have their work cut out and they're doing incredible things. But like for me, if I was just going to focus a hundred percent on running, um, I, I see myself probably doing worse. I think I would get inside my head too much. Um, whereas like if I'm, if I'm working and for me, that gives me, gives me perspective, like. It, it helps me realize, like, having a bad race, even when you've worked really hard, pales completely in comparison to the kind of health challenges that, that people go through and the family issues people go through. So definitely want to, wouldn't want to give that up, but kind of still pursue running, obviously, from here.
0: Well, yeah, and you worked really hard to get to where you are with your oh, career. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: So do you think you'll run Boston again next year? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, hopefully, I don't know. I would love to run it next year. I guess I would say that in a very preliminary having made no plans kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I would, I think it was, I mean, even if I hadn't like I would have had the exact same race experience, um, finishing 15th place in terms of how I felt and the experience, you know, that actually, it made it kind of cool because, um, my race experience and, um, just how, I don't know how, how cool it was to be running Boston had nothing to do with being in second because I never knew I was in second while I was running it. So, um, yeah, definitely want to, I'll definitely run Boston again. And, um, it's a little bit scary for sure because, I don't want to let people down, but I also don't want to be afraid to get out there and compete and, um, failures and heartbreaks happen, but, um, you have to go through that, I think, to get to successes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I know that everybody, everybody is so excited from you and I, I mean, it's like the second you cross the finish line, I feel like I was getting people messaging me saying, you have to get this girl on your show. You have to get this girl on your show. Oh, (laughs) That's um, so
1: awesome. So thank you so much for y- contacting.
0: Yeah. I mean, thank you for like um, crazy stalker calling a number that my husband yeah. found, on, found on the internet that he thought might have been you. <laughs> um it works. Real quick before we wrap up, what do you love to do outside of running?
1: Uh, I love cooking. Um, I love cookies in particular. Um, and then I love anything outside like mountain biking is probably – one of my top hobbies um so i think in my marathon recovery phase i'm definitely gonna get out there on the, the lovely trails of tucson and try to get some some mountain biking in while the weather is still not too hot um i have two border collies they're they're pretty cute <laughs> playing with them
0: yeah you and, guys probably yeah, you guys probably have some good trails out there for mountain biking.
1: Yeah, for sure. Anyone is invited to come mountain bike in Tucson, it's pretty great.
0: Well, and that's like amazing core work too. I've, I haven't done it much, but anytime I mountain bike, my dad's a big mountain biker, I'm like so sore because I don't do it often and there's so much yeah, core true. engagement.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very anaerobic. Yeah. So it's a good, um, good cross training for kind of training that anaerobic system.
0: Okay, and what do you love about running? What, what makes you love running so much?
1: Um, I think a lot of factors, um, the way it makes you feel during, um, not necessarily all the time, obviously. (laughs) Um, I think the opportunity to have, uh, something that's consistent, um, in very different places is really cool. Um, like I think I love going on vacation and getting, and I'm sure, you know, this is why a lot of people run or a big aspect of it is it's really cool to, um, do the same type of runs in, crazy different locations and just get to experience different places through running. And, um, it's like the consistency that that's your habit, but then you're in all these different places and experiencing different things.
0: If you had one message to give to everybody that's like following you and so excited for you, like if you had a message for the world, do you know what that might be?
1: Um, I would say probably twofold at this point, just gratitude for, Um, the people that support the sport and the people that have supported me, um, that's been amazing. And then, um, I'd say just set big goals. Um, I set big goals, but, um, a lot of those I didn't achieve. And I think, um, I didn't necessarily enjoy some of my past successes because, um, I was so focused on, well, this is a goal that I set. I didn't achieve that goal. So then, whatever success I did have is worthless. And so, I think you need to be able to set goals, but then um, be proud of yourself and be able to celebrate um, the progress that you make and the success you have, even if it's not the goal that you have set.
0: That's good. I like that. I like that answer. Sarah Thanks. Sellers bringing wisdom to the podcast today.
1: <laughs> well, thank you.
0: Well, okay. So, you are going to work tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's the plan.
0: Okay, well, enjoy your work day. I'm sure everybody's going to be asking you a zillion questions. And I hope you can get a couple days off from people like me bugging you for interviews and work and running and just some like Netflix time or something.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll go I'll go play with my border collies. I'll go throw some frisbee and just relax too. nice.
0: All right, Sarah. Well, huge congratulations from me and all of my listeners. We
1: are so excited for you. Thanks so much. So happy to be on the show. Thanks. Have a great night. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story and Coming on my show in the midst of a crazy media frenzy, I'm sure, that you are not totally used to. Enjoy your first day back at work and just soak this up. You earned it, you deserve it, and we're all so happy for you. Hey, if you guys are loving the show, if you enjoyed this conversation with Sarah, I would love a rating and review on iTunes. One of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And... If you want to follow along the podcast journey, make sure you're following me at Hine 626 on Instagram. You guys can also follow Sarah. She's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H underscore sellers on Instagram. I'm sure she has about 5,000 follow requests over there on Instagram. Have a great Thursday, and you know what? I'm dropping another episode today with Krista DeShane, who secured third place at the Boston Marathon, and we will have our regular Friday episode come out as well. So lots of all-have-another this week. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.